Good morning and welcome again to St. Paul's. Let's pray together. Lord, let us hear and let us understand and let our hearts be open to what your Holy Spirit has for us this morning. Amen. Please be seated. Today is a big day in our preaching series. If you've been following along with the E100 readings, the 100 essential readings of scripture, you'll know that today marks the beginning of the last week in the Old Testament. After this week, we are exactly halfway through, and next week, Tyler will lead us into the New Testament. So just a quick recap and overview of where we are before we move on. God made a covenant with Abraham, the father of faith. Abraham's descendants, the children of Israel, were then enslaved in Egypt for hundreds of years before being led to freedom by Moses. After Moses, there came judges to lead Israel. But the people weren't happy with just having judges. They wanted to be the same as all the other nations around them. And so they asked for kings. And they were given kings. But this was the beginning of the end of the nation of Israel. As the kings started leading the people away from God and grew progressively worse. And eventually, the Israelite people were once again taken into captivity in exile. Last week, Bishop Jenny preached for us from the Psalms, the songbook of the people of Israel, both through the time of the kings and while in exile. And that brings us to this final week in which we hear from the prophets. It's amazing that we have only one week in the prophets because there is so much here. And if you're reading through the E100 readings this week, you'll hear very familiar stories like Daniel in the lion's den, or Jonah being swallowed by the fish. But there's a lot more to the prophets than just these stories. We think of prophecy often as future telling, and that is often true, but in reality, it's far more truth telling. The word prophet comes from the Greek word meaning spokesperson. The prophets were people sent from God to speak on behalf of God to the Israelite people, to remind them of God's faithfulness, unenduring faithfulness, to call them to repent of their own unfaithfulness. And sometimes, yes, this included specific predictions of both the immediate and the distant future. But sometimes, it just called their attention to what was actually happening how they were being unfaithful in the moment, how God was being faithful. But there's another layer to prophecy, and it's something that we hear from Jesus himself in the Gospel of Luke as he's walking down the road with two of his disciples after he's been raised from the dead. Luke tells us that beginning with Moses and all of the prophets, Jesus explained to his disciples what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. In other words, the prophecies are about Jesus. Everything we've heard up until this point 
has been telling the story of and preparing the way for the Messiah, and all of it points to him. And none more so than the amazing poem that we have in front of us this morning from the prophet Isaiah. Even if you are new to the Bible, this passage may be familiar to you, and especially if you've ever heard Handel's Messiah. He was despised, afflicted, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and acquainted with grief. We heard Erica sing those beautiful words before the service started this morning. And they are so familiar because Handel used Isaiah's language in writing his magnificent oratorio. And you'll hear more of that in the offertory anthem in just a few moments. But who was this suffering servant that Isaiah writes about? To the Jews reading the passage, it wasn't clear. One particular person it could have been may be the long-awaited Messiah suffering on behalf of the Jewish nation. Or, and this was more commonly held, maybe the Jewish nation itself, suffering on behalf of the world. Jewish scholars have been divided on this point, and different traditions say different things. But from earliest New Testament times, the earliest New Testament authors, and the early church, it was clear that there was only one person to whom this fit particularly. One person who was the ultimate suffering servant on behalf of the world. And that, of course, was Jesus. Listen to how it describes him. The passage speaks of someone who was considered of no account. And we remember Jesus being sneered at. Can anything good come from Nazareth? The passage speaks of someone who was rejected. And we remember Jesus being rejected as a prophet in his hometown. And we remember the calls that we just heard in the gospel of crucify him. The passage speaks of someone who was silent. And we remember the silence of Jesus at, before Pilate at his trial. Someone who was led to the, like a lamb to the slaughter. And we remember Jesus as the Passover lamb, someone who experienced injustice. And we remember the ultimate injustice of his pseudo-trial, who had iniquity laid on him. And we remember the cross being laid on Jesus' back as he carried it to his place of execution, whose grave was made with the wicked, and we remember that he died a criminal's death, surrounded on either side by criminals, whose tomb was with the rich. And we remember the wealthy Joseph of Arimathea, the rich man who gave Jesus his own tomb and laid him there. And finally, but far from least, someone who took on the sins of the whole world, and through his sacrifice, brought healing and wholeness. Hundreds of years before Jesus was born, this was written. Hundreds of years. 
The prophet Isaiah, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, described what Jesus would go through in words that have been ringing ever since. But this is more than just a prophetic description of what Jesus would go through. Like all good poetry, this passage gives us the heart and the emotion of the crucifixion, the feeling behind the facts that we'll hear in a few weeks on Good Friday. And more than that, Isaiah shows for us a God who suffers with us and a God who suffers for us. Isaiah shows us the reality of a God who took on flesh, who dared to enter the pain and sorrow of a life in a world torn apart by sin and to take it on himself. A God who moves towards the hurting and the suffering to bring healing, not away. And what this means for us is that this is not a God who is far off, watching and shaking his head at humanity as we continue to mess things up. This is a God who is present in our sorrows, who is not afraid of them, but meets us right in them with his healing and his comfort and his grace. This is a God who is present in Ukraine and in Russia and in Afghanistan and right here, who is present with the mothers who had to flee from that maternity hospital this week, with the people trying to cross the border or hiding in subway stations, a God who is present with those who have been separated from their families, never knowing if they will see them again, who is present with the Russian people as they suffer under Putin's choices, who is present with the Afghani people and the South Sudanese people and the Venezuelans and all who have had to flee from their homes and all who experience suffering of any kind, including every person in this room and watching online. This is Emmanuel, God with us, in our grief, in our suffering, bringing healing and hope. But there's one more thing to take from this passage this morning, and that is a reminder. It's easy to see evil in the world and to think, I'm not as bad as that, and maybe to feel better about ourselves. And it's especially easy when we have such an example as what's going on in Russia and Ukraine. But it wasn't just the massive, heart-wrenching evil and pain that Jesus came to take on himself. It was all of it. It was all the little and the big ways throughout time and space that each of us has failed to love God, to love each other, to love our neighbors and the strangers and ourselves. All the ways that we have broken the covenant with God over the centuries since Abraham, all of them have been taken on by Jesus and atoned for. None of us has ever been able to live up fully to that covenant. All of us have turned to our own ways, as the prophet says, and all of us have been given the gift of a new covenant, 
one in which the suffering servant has done all of it for us, has done the work for us, has kept the faith for us, and we have only to receive it. Brothers and sisters, friends, beloved, pray for the grace to receive it. We all need prayer, and we all need grace. Pray for each other. Pray for the suffering in Ukraine and in Russia and around the world. Pray for the children. Pray for the leaders. Pray for Putin and pray for peace. And pray for the day to come when kings will shut their mouths, as Isaiah writes in our passage today. When every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, as the Apostle Paul writes, and when every tongue will confess that the suffering servant, Jesus Christ himself, is Lord, and there will be no more tears, for sorrow and sighing will flee away. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus.